Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Seth Williams, who saw the beach for the first time in a long time. Seth, thank you so much this morning for joining me. Well, Dawn, it's a pleasure to be on here with you. It's always an honor mm-hmm. to be your guest and to be here with your listeners on 1210. All the things you've just recited going on in the world, I don't know how I rate, but I'm <laughs> glad to be here to talk to you. And it's always an honor to be a guest of you or your husband, Larry. Thank you. It's my honor, my friend. You know, I love your story because I think so often, you know, in the media, especially there's like this ivory tower and judgmental and you had quite a journey in your life. And there was a point where you were the it man here in Philadelphia and people thought, my God, Seth Williams, you know, he is, he's going to be mayor someday. He's going to be president someday. And the pride of Philadelphia and the pride of the prep. And you've, you've walked this walk. It's kind of a biblical journey. Tell me where, why the journey to the beach was significant to you and, and take me through a little bit about, you know, what, what's going on in your life. Certainly. And again, I'm glad to be on here. One small thing though, I'm a graduate of the central high school of Philadelphia, the oldest public high school in Philadelphia. I I went to the, I'm sorry. I thought it was okay. I, I went to the preps pre eighth grade program, <laughs> and it was a decision. I was either going to go to Central or St. Joe's Prep. I had gone to St. Carthage um, before then, but I just the flashy crimson and gold jackets at Central wore, won my heart over the the burgundy and gray at uh, St. Joe's Prep. But St. Joe's Prep is a phenomenal school with a great history. But um, you asked what happened, you know, and so if your listeners. You know, I recognized that I had received gifts from friends and I should have reported all of my gifts pursuant to the city's ethics rules. Um, and I did not do that. And that was my fault. Um, I negotiated with the city to pay a fine of about $64,000 for not having reported all of my gifts. I'd been assured by the, the feds or told by them to my attorney that if I had done that, and if I announced I wasn't going to run for re-election, that they weren't going to go further, and that would be enough. Um, unfortunately, I was indicted um, in March of 2017 on many different charges, including um, driving my city vehicle for personal use as a felony, as a wire fraud, um, a whole litany of things, um, which I thought that, you know, okay, I should, I should have reported all my gifts, and I I shouldn't have even accepted, and that makes for the appearance of impropriety, and I was wrong and understand that, and I'm very sorry to the voters of Philadelphia for that, but I had no criminal intent. There was no quid pro quo. 
unlike Governor, I mean, Senator Menendez, you know, people getting things and no one got anything from me. No one got off of the DUI or anything like that. Um, but I went on trial, had a great week, and we had a bad day. And the feds offered my attorneys for me to plead guilty to one count. And on June the 29th, I entered a guilty plea. I'd been told, my attorney had been told that I would be able to go home that day, you know, before sentencing, mm-hmm. maybe for four or five months to get my affairs in order, to sell my house, to take my daughters to therapy. I told my daughters that I would be home for lunch that day. Unfortunately, after I entered my plea, um, despite me not having a uh, passport or even owning a car at the time, the judge declared that I was a flight risk. And I was, my bail was withdrawn. I was handcuffed in court and I was placed in solitary confinement for the first 152 days of my sentence. Um, and so you asked, you know, on Friday, this past Friday, September the 29th, my, I'd been sentenced to five years and then three years of supervised release. Well, all that came to an end on Friday, September the 29th. And uh, after being in solitary for, you know, five months and not feeling the sun on my face or raindrops or, you know, I went uh, yesterday, I came down here to the shore and I put my feet in the sand for the first time since 2016 and the first time since 2017 that I didn't have to ask permission to go outside of the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. So I just wanted to just revel in the, the glory of God's grandeur and just put my feet in the sand and look smell the sea breeze and just hear the, the seagulls and just look at the ocean and just try to take all of it in. And so I'm very thankful that I had the opportunity, but it was a tremendous learning lesson for me. Talk about biblically. I really saw my life now as that mm-hmm. of uh, Joseph in Genesis and that what others, what others intended for my harm, God used for good. Um, I taught GED while I was away. And I think I learned a lot that I never would have understood about what we really need to do to prevent crime and to reduce recidivism as a result of the humbling experience of me being inside the belly of the beast and then learning from the very people that I had spent my life either prosecuting or defending as a criminal defense attorney. You know, thank you for sharing all that. I just, you know, I think about you and three years, nearly three years, right, in a a federal uh, prison and so on. Correct. And we talk about, you know, different justice for different folks. Um, you know, when you look out, you talked about Senator Menendez. We have Trump, who's in a civil proceeding. We have Alvin Bragg, the DA in New York, being sued on a civil suit by a bodega owner, who, by the way, is a legal Dominican um, immigrant, who says that this is a racial thing. There's so much happening. Even, you know, you think about yeah. George, George Floyd and this journey that we've taken as a nation and we've looked at yeah. our judicial system and it's in the headlines. I mean, Merrick Garland all the time, people say he's too political just from, from your standpoint, which is unique. Can what's your, when you look at this, Seth, what do you see in America as we, as we debate this and, and even the looters being arrested? Right. I'll tell you, I I mean, I'm just going to give you, I might, go ahead, you go ahead, give me your take. Yeah, it's sad. I I think we see an erosion in the public trust. Mm -hmm. You know, if you see that the members of the Supreme Court, the the gifts that they receive and the no accountability for what they do with actual quid pro quo and actually ruling in favor of people that were giving them gifts um, to, you know, so... 
you know, I take great pride in you. I think I do have a unique perspective on the American criminal justice system as having been an assistant district attorney in Philadelphia for 10 and a half years. I was the inspector general uh, under Mayor Street. I was an army JAG officer for 19 years where I prosecuted and defended people. I was a criminal defense attorney in Philadelphia. I was the elected DA. I was a federal inmate. Um, what I think I see is just a total erosion uh, of public understanding and and a total erosion of people's trust. Um, I take great pride, I tell people, in having been a local prosecutor. Every day in Philadelphia, unfortunately, people's cars are stolen, mm-hmm. homes are burglarized. Uh, I just read a, a journalist that I know, Josh Kruger, was shot over the weekend and killed. Yeah. People are killed. People are raped yeah. every day in Philadelphia. These are crimes that really occur. About 90% of the federal prosecutions, and they have the greatest ability to use resources to, to, to prosecute things, uh, about 90% of their crimes, there's no real victim. And they spend a lot of time just targeting people and going after people, often for just very vindictive, personality-driven cases, um, which is a real shame. I think that lends itself more to the public just not trusting what's going on. And then you see we... You know, the criminal justice system is replete with racism, I get it, and classism, and we have to address that, but we also have to improve public safety at the same time. It's not an either-or. And then we see the uh, sweeping of prosecutors or defense attorneys getting elected to become prosecutors like uh, the DA here in Philadelphia currently. Um, and we have to make reforms. We have to have public safety, and this individual you know, we saw all these retail thefts over the past four years because on day, you know, one almost of his, he told people that unless people steal over $500, we're not going to prosecute them for retail theft. So unfortunately, that's why so many small mom and pop stores have closed up. Even large retail national chains and that Circle City Hall have closed up because the, too many people were stealing from them and there was no accountability. So as it relates to looting, you know, again, there is the proper method for political discourse, the exercise of First Amendment right. If you're mad about uh, judicial decisions, you know, uh, my heart went out to the Irizarry family and they led a protest with about 100 people around City Hall. It's an appropriate way to react to sure. what they thought. If you're a right? grieving, yeah, yeah, if you're a grieving part- family member. Right. That's a perfect example of how we should, you know, but then to have just opportunists texting each other, using social media to go and steal from sneaker stores, liquor stores, destroy the public property and mom and pop shops in their own neighborhoods that provide jobs to people in their community. It was just a total, um, you know, I don't know if I can say this, but I think this is asinine behavior and mindless behavior that just is destructive to the community. Um, and so, again, it's not the severity of punishment that changes behavior. It's the certainty of accountability. Um, what does that mean? You know, if you're training a dog, if you're housebreaking your pet, right, if you're trying to potty train a child, it's not that you really uh, scream and yell and beat them when they do the wrong thing. It's that you have incremental um, methods, but that you're, you, you are always held accountable for small things. Um, and that's what we need to do for looters. But, you know, I, I disagree with uh, some people who say that they should be shot and killed. Yeah. You know, that's, that's going too far when people are stealing stuff. 
but they have to be held accountable. It cannot be condoned. You cannot have community members excusing the behavior because of generations of love. No, no, no. You just can't go steal stuff just because of whatever. And most of these people has nothing to do with a political or a judicial decision. It's just opportunism. And we have to hold those people accountable. So having held that that office, I mean, when you look at currently what's happening, and there's a, a young lady who's a social influencer, Deja Blackwell. She's known as Meatball. And she's 21 years old, so she would have been, I think she would have been 16, 17, maybe because she just turned 21 when the pandemic and the shutdowns were going on. I was trying to look up her. She has become, for whatever reason, because she was the social influencer, the face of all the looters. And they've charged her with six felonies. Now she's lawyered up. Her attorney, Jessica Mann, has said that, that this is, it's all about racism and so on and so forth. Do you think this is a good tactic? Even the mayor, I was kind of surprised, had even talked about her reportedly. I did. I actually personally did not like that because I don't think she has any priors. But what do you make of all of this and the focus on a social media influencer? Because I think where they're going with this is that social media is a key component to some of these crimes that we see. Right. Well, first, I think it's appropriate, um, I should say, that the acting police commissioner, John Stanford, um, I think he's set a good tone. I think that it's a good change um, from the previous police commissioner. I think he um, is going to have the police, again, holding people accountable, regardless of what the DA is going to ultimately do, but having a police presence to try to prevent these things, people being arrested um, and charged. I think is the appropriate thing. Um, again, this individual, this Ms. Blackwell, is facing six felony charges. Um, I think it's appropriate. You know, again, it's not that the severity has to be, the, the punishment has to be severe. It's just that the system has to work. People have to see that you just cannot go um, and just videotape yourself going in and destroying property and stealing stuff and then saying, well, you're mad about something that, no, that's not, that's not a defense to, um, you know, uh, destruction of property and the looting and the retail theft. Um, And so she has to be held accountable. And what that includes, you know, I believe in restorative justice as well. I believe that we have to do what we can to remove barriers from people after they have convictions and, but the, the ultimate answer, to use the legal terms, is we have to find the criminogenic need for each person. We have to see why individuals are committing crimes um, and then do all that we can to provide them with the redirection, training, opportunities, whatever, so that they don't become repeat offenders, so they're not recidivist. We can do all that we can to reduce recidivism. Um, and so she has to be held accountable since she's an influencer. You know, two theories, gone as I'm sure you know, for sentencing are specific deterrence and general deterrence. Mm-hmm. The specific deterrence is what's going to stop this individual, this Ms. Blackwell, from ever offending again. And that requires us addressing whatever the issues are specific to her life. The general deterrence, the whole issue of her being an influencer, general deterrence is by showing the public that she was held accountable, mm-hmm. that this is what happened to her for doing what she did. Um, will hopefully deter other people in the future from the same type of behavior. We just can't have people 
going and breaking windows and stealing the computers and sneakers and liquor and, you know, everything that they were doing. Every, just every day it pops up on my phone, just different stores all across the city that were, you know, destroyed and having thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of mm-hmm. um, merchandise stolen. You know, think about how many of them are going to close and the jobs in those communities that people in that neighborhood rely upon to be able to buy their food and send their kids to school. And, you know, so it's just a shame. There are no, no winners. Yeah, it's true. Uh, final question. Just tell me what's next for you, Seth Williams, and um, tell me tell me what you're working. You've been working, you told me, with a nonviolence type group and speaking out to different groups. Tell me what you're doing right now. Thank you. Again, yeah. uh, your, your your listeners can follow me at New Seth Williams at Twitter or X or whatever Elon Musk is calling it now. <laughs> um, but I created uh, the Second Chance Strategies consulting firm, and I developed for nonprofit agencies such as Volunteers of America um, and OIC of America. I helped them develop and create vocational training programs and workforce development for returning citizens and chronically unemployed. What does that mean? Well, I taught GED. Uh, 19 of my students earned their GED, but what I learned from them, most of them were incredibly intelligent. Most of them were entrepreneurs, right? But they'd use their entrepreneurial skills for the wrong thing. They hadn't gone to Wharton or Penn or Harvard, right? Um, but they were good businessmen. And so if we can teach them nationally recognized portable certifications such as HVAC or welding or to get their CDL license so they can be a cross-country truck driver and give them, most importantly, the skills that they need to not only get a job, don't, but to keep a job, the conflict resolution skills that mm-hmm. don't argue with your boss or your coworkers or to show up on time, um, to help them with their addictions, to help them learn financial literacy. Most of the guys you were talking, your, your previous college debating banking and all that, right? Well, most people that I was in prison with never had banking accounts. They didn't even understand what, how to get, yeah. what credit scores were or that, why it is, what your interest is and, so just those are the types of things that can help prevent crime and to reduce recidivism. And so fortunate that I had the opportunity actually to learn what I did. I think it will help me in many ways in a more direct way, help prevent crime and to reduce recidivism by giving people who are currently on, you know, are getting SNAP benefits, yeah. people who are coming home from prison, helping them get real jobs in the economy, you know, um, where they can help their community, they can raise their families, um, and prevent crime. Because most of the guys I was in prison with, they wanted to get out of the lifestyle they'd been in. You know, there was no pension plan for, you know, gangbangers and guys selling drugs in the <laughs> corner, right? But most yeah. of them were smart guys who just – and so if you can teach them those skills and redirect them, and most importantly, change their hearts and minds – Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is the greatest thing that I can do now. So, you know, I'm creating programs right now in partnership with um, the district attorney of Delaware County and the community there, some of the clergy, some of the, you know, the church, um, to provide these programs so that people can get free vocational training and, most importantly, have people help them redirect their lives. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I think that's the greatest thing that I can do as a result of all that I've learned and hopefully the way that. Um, God will see fit to, to use me moving forward. 
Well, I think it's a beautiful message, but I think obviously a lot of, you know, you've caught the ear of so many people, and this is not political, because this is for so many people, you know, looking at federal versus local law enforcement. Right. You know, and you put that out there, 90% of federal cases seem to be vindictive, you know, personality-driven cases. You said that earlier. Yeah, most of them them are people who, they've beaten a lot of state cases, and then the feds indicted them when we were called drug or, or ghost mm-hmm. drug cases, right? And say, cool, we have to prove that this person sold this type of thing to that person. We have to get the drugs, test them. In federal court, they'll just, for the most part, just indict people on wiretaps of people having a conversation mm-hmm. and then tell the grand jury what it was about, uh, an expert, and never have drugs either confiscated from the seller or the buyer. Mm-hmm. Right. Negotiate. Like, look, hey, we're going to charge you. You can get 15 years. If you plead guilty, we'll give you seven and a half. Most people don't want to roll the dice and risk right. the 15 years. So I, it was something was eye opening. I'd never even heard of ghost drugs until I was in prison. But about half the guys that I was incarcerated with were incarcerated for ghost drugs. Um, and so it was very eye opening. And then you look at those people, they decide to go after versus those that they don't mm-hmm. and why. You know, I learned, you know, why they came after me as a result of the enemies that I had made sure. the prosecutions. And I was the first district attorney in American history to prosecute the hierarchy of the Catholic Church for shielding pedophile priests. So it's no coincidence that six of the charges related to my mother being in a Catholic nursing home, you know, and they told people basically that they that I defrauded the nursing home, which was the furthest thing from the truth. If anything, we might have had a a civil uh, a disagreement that mm-hmm. could have gone to civil court over a, a $10,000 billing error, but nobody had any criminal intent, right? But it's all about who you know and who's, yeah. whose enemies you've made. And that's just another reason it goes back to your earlier question and what I see as an erosion of the, the public's trust in the criminal justice system, which I find very, very sad because American criminal justice system, our constitution really relies upon the public believing that the system, for the most part, we know that it does it in all parts, but hopefully we recognize that it's supposed to be fair and we're supposed to, Lady Justice is supposed to be blind. Yeah. And unfortunately, we know now that she's not. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it there for this time, but I hope we continue the conversation because I think your voice, your perspective, your your journey is so important. Seth Williams, thank you so much for taking the time out, and uh, have a blessed day. Thank you. And the beach is calling my name now. <laughs> Take care. Lucky you, Seth Williams. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.